Welcome back to Christianity 101. This is lesson 12, Divine Healing and Health. One of the things we do with Christianity 101 is we introduce new church members and new believers to foundational basic Christianity. And that's why there's 13 lessons and 14, I think, classes total. One of our classes, of course, covers church his our church history and our vision. But one of the things I, I have to do with lesson 12 with divine healing and health is, sadly enough, I got to convince people God wants them healthy. You wouldn't believe how much Christians will fight to stay sick. It's almost as ignorant as the uh, thousand-year-old vow of poverty the Catholic monks would take, thinking that made them spiritual. Uh, sickness is not spiritual, and poverty is not spiritual. They're both really crummy. Nobody in their right mind wants to be sick. Not even trees want to be sick. Not even dogs want to be sick. And nobody is going to want to serve a God if you go around telling them sometimes God will put sickness on you to teach you something. Well, if God has to put sickness on you to teach you something, he's a pretty stupid God. And you're a pretty ignorant person. That means that the scriptures aren't adequate enough to teach you something. That means the Holy Spirit, who Jesus called the teacher, isn't good enough at teaching you something. It means that the ministry gifts called teachers from Ephesians chapter 4, that they're not adequately equipped or anointed by God to teach you something. Well, actually, now that I talk about it, I don't see anywhere in the Bible where it says anywhere that God will put sickness on you to teach you something. I see all these other things that will teach you something. God the Father, God the Word, God the Holy Spirit. The Word, of course, is Jesus. And then the ministry gifts called the teachers. Even as Paul said, you have 10,000 teachers and not many fathers. I don't know where we created this ignorant doctrine called God wants you sick. Uh, maybe it's from possibly the pit of hell. Maybe. Anyone? Anyone? Furthermore, if sickness and disease is ever the will of God, don't go to the hospital. Don't go to the emergency room. Don't go to the pharmacist. Don't go to Walgreens and get your prescription. You sit there, be miserable, broken, feverish, throwing up, diarrhea, bloody nose, bloody eyes, bloody ears, bloody belly button, and let God make something spiritual happen in your life. But it's not going to happen. Nobody believes that doctrine fervently. Even those that propagate it, and even those that are against laying hands on the sick, even they don't believe the doctrine strong enough to actually practice it, which makes them ignorant hypocrites. If you believe God will put sickness on you, demonstrate that by rejecting any kind of medical help. You won't do it. They won't do it because they don't believe their doctrine enough to fully practice it to its full degree. So let me offer you a biblical alternative. <laughs> Divine healing and divine health. Let's look at our curriculum here. The terms divine healing and divine health refer to the physical healing and health that can only be accredited to God. Now let me stop and say, we are not against medical science. Not at all, man. I am, if it weren't for medical science, I would be missing a leg today, truly. Medical science saved my right leg when I broke it snow skiing 20 something years ago. If it weren't for medical science, I might be paralyzed today, truly, because I had viral meningitis and I was a pincushion for 10 days as they poked, prodded, and drew blood and spinal fluid and everything else they did to save my life to defeat the viral meningitis. I've, I've had so many broken bones. I've been under surgery so many times. I am all for medical science. I've been to the emergency room, not for me personally, but I have been a bunch. 
dozens and dozens and dozens of times to pray for people in the church from car accidents, from calamity, from injury. We pray for the medical community every Wednesday in this church when we pray for our paramedics, our first responders, our life flight, our emergency rooms, our doctors. We pray for this because they are uh, ministers of mercy. So please don't misunderstand me. I'm all for medicine. Take whatever your doctor prescribes to you. Just don't become an addict. Take painkillers if you need it, but don't become an addict, all right? So I want to be very clear. We're not against medical science. We're not these weird people that are going to kill babies because we want God to heal them first. When my babies are sick, we lay hands on them. If the sickness continues throughout the afternoon, we're calling up the doctor. What's wrong with my baby? What can we do? And while we take medicine, we lay hands on our babies. We rebuke the spirit of infirmity and it all works together. Amen. We're not against medical science, but medical science is not divine health. Now we have to be truthful about that. Ibuprofen took away your headache, not Jesus. So make sure you thank God for ibuprofen, but don't go telling people Jesus healed you. It really bugs me when, when, God, when people claim divine supernatural health and healing when really it was a medical doctor doing his gifting. Again, I'm all for medical doctors, but don't, don't mislead people. I guess that's the best way to say it. Don't mislead people and fabricate a miracle when really it was medical science doing something wonderful. You can say, I'm thankful for my doctors. To God be all the glory. It was the hand of God that got me to that hospital. It was the hand of God that, that got me through surgery. It's the hand of God that got me healed up out of surgery quicker. But please give God glory, but don't go telling people you were divinely healed when it wasn't supernatural laying on of hands and cancer fall off you and roll on the floor. God healed you, but it required surgery. So let's, let's be truthful and, and give full disclosure if we can, all right? Otherwise, we're liars or deceivers, and neither one's good. Medical science heals nothing. We got to be honest about that too. Medical science merely treats the condition. And one of, one of the aspects of medical science is medical science works in tandem with your own body's ability to do its thing. I've broken many, 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 many bones, several of them multiple times, what have you. Most of my broken bones required some kind of surgery to reset or screws, pins, rods. That's medical science. That's trauma medicine, which is wonderful. But what the medical science did was it went in there and put screws into bones to hold bones together so that the bones could heal themselves. I put a rod in my tibia and lined up the bones where the tibia was so, <laughs> so busted. And they lined it up so that the bones could heal themselves. Or on my elbow where I had pins, lining up all the bone fragments so they could heal themselves. Most medical science works in tandem with the body's ability to do what it was called to do anyway, which was mend itself and repair itself. You gash your arm open, you go to the emergency room, they sew it together and sewing it together allows the arm to or the skin to heal itself. We get this. Medical science merely treats the condition. God alone heals and brings health. His flawless design of the human body reveals his desire for man to be healthy. Everything about your body is as amazing. I, I don't mean to be crude or crass, but I, I've had food poisoning numerous times. I actually just got back from Uganda a few weeks ago, and I had to fight food poisoning very severely. It almost became eruptive. 
not disruptive, but the eruption would have caused some disruption. And even in the misery and the cold sweats and the fever that I was going through, and we were on our way to the ferry to cross the Nile River to go off into the bush of uh, north central Uganda. I'm, I'm marveling at how fearfully and wonderfully I made. Now, I'm fearfully and wonderfully miserable in that moment, but I was marveling, as I've done many times when I've had food poisoning or sick, that the miraculousness of our body, that the fact that I ate something and there was either one cell or a small colony of bacterial cells, fungus cells, whatever, we don't know, it's something, it's, it's a bacteria probably, it got into my stomach and once it got into my stomach, how in the world does my body know this is not good? How in the world? Now, I'm sure there's an explanation, but it's beyond my understanding. Does my body, is it able to discern between the meat, the, the, the vegetables, the spices, maybe the dressing, the French fries I had, or maybe whatever I had that day? It can, it can begin to break down all of that food and all of the cells and the cellulose and the fats and the proteins and the sugars and the carbohydrates. And yet it can recognize and tell there is some kind of bacteria in that whole stomach soup that the stomach, your body now says, alert, alert, alert. This cannot stay. This cannot stay. And so what does your body do? It begins to churn acid. It begins to make you nauseous so that he can either eject it this way, which I reject. I reject food rejection out of the top hole because I just, I can't, I, I've got faith, I keep it down. It usually would be quicker if it came up, I keep it down, I do lower half jettison. In that case, then your body starts turning feverish. Why, why do you turn fevers? Why does your body turn feverish? Medical science tells us your body begins to overheat itself to kill the bacteria, or the virus. The, it intensifies its heat to cook it to death. That, of course, produces the cold sweats that you get trying to cool your body as your internal stomach and your intestines overheat to kill the bacteria. Uh, ultimately, you eject it through violent diarrhea or through projectile vomiting. Either way, how does your body know? And even in that moment, we call it sickness, food poisoning. We're sick this is a sickness that saves your life because your body's designed to heal itself, defend itself, protect itself, and keep on living. That is not a sickness God puts on you. That, I, don't, I don't know. I recognize it as sickness, but I also see it as divine design to ensure your existence. It's just a crummy little design fluke. Could there not be a better way to fight a, a, a food poisoning, a, a bacteria, an E. coli than violent diarrhea or violent vomiting? I don't know. Fevers and chills. God's flawless design of the human body reveals his desire for man to be healthy. God's divine blueprint for man's body never included defects or biological breakdowns. Man's body is designed to heal and even to some degree regenerate itself. Even your eyes, your eye is the fastest reproducing cell, regenerating cell in your whole body. And science tells us every cell in our bodies is completely made new every, uh, was it seven to 11 years? And they can't understand why we age if every cell in our body is made brand new every seven to 11 years. And yet we're still aging. It's, we know it's the curse of sin and every man must die, but our body's constantly being renewed and regenerated. Simply put, sickness does not come from God. He does not have it to give. 
nor does sickness teach us anything about God's nature. Now we have a very large expanded curriculum on sickness and disease in, on podschool.org. And we have a lesson called sickness, God's judgment. <laughs> Folks want to say God's teaching me something. Biblically, you got to first ask, maybe you're being judged. Sickness comes when you open up the door to sin. Well, I should say sometimes. Sometimes sickness comes because you've opened up the door to sin. And then we have another lesson called the people in the Bible who never got healed. And there's only about six who never received healing. And most of them are because they never asked for it or because they died sinful. I think, think consider, it's either six or seven people. Let me go through it in my mind. Michael, Saul's daughter, never had a baby. She, was, she died barren. Of course, she never repented for her insubordination and her, uh, her disgust of David, and she never asked for a baby. Elisha, the prophet, died of a sickness, but there's no record he ever asked for healing. Uh, there's several more that I'm drawing a blank on all of them. Mephibosheth, uh, Jonathan's son, died crippled in his feet, but he never asked God for healing. He actually had a little man syndrome. He, he could never see himself as worthy of anything. There, there's several in there. But you, we see how every instance is they never got healed because there's no record of them ever asking for healing. And yet many times we see sickness stays upon people because of judgment. Uzziah got sick because of pride. Hezekiah got sick because of pride. Asa got sick and died because of pride. Maybe you fight sickness because you're full of pride. I'm just throwing it out there. There is a biblical pattern to be judged. And sometimes you're just sick because there's the flu going around. Anyway, God gave us the Holy Spirit and the Bible to teach us, not sickness. Sickness does not teach us. Sickness does not bring any revelation of the nature or character of God. Now, ignorant people say, well, I got sick and it brought me so much closer to God. Well, how close were you to God before you got sick? Well, not very. Well, how come? Well, I was real busy. Oh, so you mean maybe... The actual way to evaluate this scenario is that you were laid up in the hospital for 10 days with nothing to do. So you actually, in accordance with the Bible, began to open your Bible and began to read it every day and began to talk to God every day. But you could have been doing that before you were in the hospital. So please don't blame sickness for bringing you close to God. You actually taking time to get close to God brought you close to God. I debunked the ignorant statement. Sometimes God will put you on your back to make you look up. All right. Why'd you quit looking up? You just told off on yourself. I don't quit looking up. God doesn't have to put me on my back if you want to follow that ignorant line of debate. Just walk with God and rebuke sickness when it comes. God gave us the Holy Spirit in the Bible to teach us, not sickness. Sickness does not bring any revelation of the nature or character of God. Supernatural healing demonstrates God's mercy towards us. When I... Uh, when I had viral meningitis, uh, that's like 12, 13 years ago now. Wow, 2006. Yeah, I was in the hospital 10 days. Uh, I was paralyzed. I had roving paralysis. Left half of my body, right half of my body, waist down, slurred speech, blah, blah, blah. The virus got into my heart. I had myocarditis. I had to take six weeks off of work. And then I had this virus breakout, so my skin was covered in these odd little spots. It's a really bad season for me. But I stayed in the word, spoke the word, prayed the word, wouldn't quit, wouldn't give up, spoke the word, prayed the word, did the word. I knew it was an attack and I knew I'd come out of it. I had a, a good Baptist lady one time ask me, oh, what'd you learn going through all that sickness 
And I knew she was fishing for something spiritual. And I said, well, I learned that viral meningitis is the inflammation of the meningi cellular level around the brain due to a virus getting past the blood-brain barrier of your lower cerebral cortex. And I learned when that happens, the inflammation of the meningi in fighting the virus presses upon different parts of your brain, which causes all these neurological disorders. And I learned when your immune system shot, which mine was, was from the flu, the virus can spread otherwhere, other places like into my heart, causing inflammation of the heart muscle, which produces myocarditis, which affects my, infects my injection fraction so that my heart could not pump efficiently, which gave me racing heartbeats when I would just use the bathroom. And I also learned that because my immune system was shot, viruses would break out and my skin. She said, no, 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 no. What'd you learn about God? I said, nothing. I opened my Bible to learn about God. And she, of course, didn't like that answer because she wanted me to be sick and religious. She loves me, but she wanted me to be sick and religious. Let's move on. I'm digressing here a little bit, I think. Where does sickness come from? I'm glad you asked. I'm glad I wrote it down. When Adam sinned against God, he fell and became a partaker of a sinful nature. Planet Earth was cursed and death began. Before sin, nothing would die. After the introduction of sin, every living thing was subjected to the curse of death. Every biological life form has a lifespan. All living biology dies only spirits are eternal. Everything dies now. Plants die, trees die, fungus dies, algae dies, crocodiles die, elephants die, birds die, dogs die, cats die, and you and I die. We are subjected to a curse that sin brought into the natural realm. Romans 8, 20 through 21 in the Amplified, for the creation, that is nature, was subjected to frailty, futility, condemned to frustration, not because of some intentional fault on its part, but by the will of him who so subjected it, yet with the hope. The nature or creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and corruption and gain an entrance into the glorious freedom of God's children. Notice it says creation is in subjection to bondage, the bondage of decay and corruption. Where does sickness come from? It comes from the curse. Planet Earth is cursed. And yet we know the Bible says Jesus died to redeem us from the curse. So we can live above the curse that everything else must submit to. We don't have to submit to it. We've been redeemed from the curse of the law. As it is written, cursed is every man who hangeth upon the tree. The whole world system is waiting or awaiting its redemption from the curse of sin because sin brings death and corruption. James 1.15 says, Then when lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. All sin does is bring forth death. So part of sickness, if we could view it this way, sickness are, are like little micro breakdowns or little outbursts of death in your body. Your body usually is strong enough to resist it. If it's an allergy, if it's seasonal allergies, this is a breakdown in God's divine design. Before the fall, before sinful fall, there were no allergies in the garden. We don't see Adam and Eve having the sniffles because the flowers were in bloom. Sin brought all of this and it's, everything is decaying. Earth is decaying. Everything is falling apart. We're seeing more sickness than ever before. We're seeing new diseases we've never known. There, viruses now, they don't even name them anymore. They give them numbers and letters, almost like planets and stars. You know, this is H1N1, H1N4. This is flu, and it has a license plate after it because there's so many of them now. 
This is sin ramping up its thing to the end of time. That's where sickness comes from. If you think sickness comes from God, then, then you don't want to pray the Lord's Prayer. Thy will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. Do you think we're going to go to heaven and fight the sniffles and sickness? It's not going to be there. And we're going to have a body, a glorified body. When Jesus had his glorified body, it was immune to sickness and disease. He rode above it all. When we get our glorified body, which is the will of God, nothing will be able to touch us. Plus, at that point, we'll be free from sin and corruption. But even in this earth today, we have been redeemed from the curse. And sickness and disease was brought in by that curse. I don't know why Christians won't receive this. I guess religions just got them convinced they should go through life miserable. All sickness is a result of man's fall and the curse, and all sickness is demonic oppression of some sort. Acts ten thirty eight says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. All that were oppressed of the devil. All sickness is demonic oppression, but not every sickness means you have a devil. Sometimes you simply have a virus or a bacterium or you broke a bone on accident. Sometimes a cold is just a cold. Sometimes the sniffles are just sniffles, but we still treat the symptoms the same. You know, whether I broke my bone in a car accident, whether I broke my bone in a sporting accident, whether I broke my bone because I have brittle bones, doctors treat it all the same. And we don't really care where the sickness is coming from, whether it's a demon or whether it's just living in the fallen world that's inhabited and influenced by the God of this world, Satan. We treat it all the same. It's a curse. We have victory over it. Healing in the Old Testament. From the beginning of the Bible, God has demonstrated his will to heal people. And I like to point out with our first example here, it took 20 chapters of the book of Genesis. Let me think here. Let me do the numbers backwards. So 2000. Yeah, zero BC, then you go 1400 years prior is Moses, and then 400 years prior to that. So 1800 BC, which means you've got 2200 years. You have to get 2200 years into mankind's history before you find the first sickness in the Bible. Think about that. You have to get basically 2200 years past Adam before you find the first sickness in the Bible. And now, if you, hey, if you say in church, for a show of hands, how many of you are fighting sickness in your body? 98% of the church will raise their hand because everybody's fighting something. But Genesis 20 is about 2,200 years into mankind's existence. How do I do the math on that? Zero B.C., 1400 years prior, so 1400 BC is when Moses gave the law. 400 years prior to that is when Abraham received the covenant. This is the life of Abraham that puts us at 1800 BC. There's only 4,000 years between creation and the time of Christ's birth. 2,000 years since then, we've got 6,000 years of human history according to the Bible. So 2200 years into man's history before we find the first instance of sickness and need for healing. Doesn't mean there wasn't any others. This is just the first one the Bible records. So let's look at this first example. Abraham prayed for King Abimelech and Abimelech was healed. God healed him, his wife and his maidservants. And then they bore children. But why was Abimelech and his household sick? Because he was in sin. He had kidnapped or taken Sarah, the prophet's wife, and had put her in his harem. 
He was being judged by God. Sickness was judgment, not an education, unless you want to say, don't sin anymore. In which case you can study the Bible and learn, don't sin anymore. Jacob declared health over his son. We personally in our household, we pray this every night. He prophesied over Judah, your eyes shall sparkle like the red wine. He didn't say they'll be drunk with wine. Sparkling like the red wine means they have a light. It's, it's, a, it's a Hebraism for healthy eyesight. And your teeth will be white as milk. We pray that over our children. Eyes that sparkle like red wine, 20-20 vision and teeth white as milk. White teeth are healthy teeth. You ever seen somebody on drugs? They don't have white teeth. Their teeth are dingy and, and riddled through the acids of their drugs. God described himself as the healer. I am the Lord that healeth thee. That's one of the redemptive names of God, Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord that healeth thee. I'll bless your bread and water and take sickness from the midst of thee. Miriam got leprosy for slandering Moses. Oh, oh, so she got sick for sinfulness. Hmm. Of course, she already knew not to slander, but she did it anyway. Moses prayed for Miriam and God healed her. <laughs> he said, Lord, take this sickness away from her. Moses interceded and people got healed. When you and I intercede, God heals people. God told Moses to make a brass serpent, put it on a pole so the people could be healed from snake bites. Now, I like that, that, that story. They're, they've all been bitten by snakes for complaining and slandering God. And now to be healed, they have to look upon a serpent on a pole. Jesus Christ said, if I be lifted up like the serpent on the pole, I'll draw all men to me. But I like this. They had to set their eyes on the serpent on a pole, which allegorically says we set our eyes on Jesus. We repent in our heart and sickness is taken from us. Why was Israel sick? Sinful, rebellion, attitude, slander. Psalm 30, verse two, oh my God, oh Lord my God, I cried unto thee and thou hast healed me. I like that. I cried unto you and thou hast healed me. Psalm 103, God's benefits include forgiveness and healing. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, and forget not his benefits, who forgiveth all my iniquities, who healeth my, all my diseases, who maketh my youth to be renewed like the eagle, who delivers my life from destruction. That's positive, man. That's, that's good. That's encouraging. We often emphasize the forgiveness of sins, but we forget there's the healing of sickness. The Lord's table, communion, emphasizes forgiveness of sin and healing of sickness. The blood of Jesus forgives our sin. The body of Christ heals our sickness. Psalm 107, God sent his word and healed them. God has sent his word and healed us. Proverbs 4.22, God's word is life and health, healing and medicine. Oftentimes when we are fighting something physically in our household, we will take the word of God three and four times a day like you would medicine. We'll speak the word. There's times when everything's going good in my household. I'll say, honey, we, need it. we haven't prayed healing scriptures in a while. Let's just sit down tonight and pray some healing scriptures. We honestly have a list. I, maybe, I might include it. I think I've got a list of over, well, addresses, but each address has multiple verses. It's probably five or 600 verses total on healing. Almost, I think out of every book of the Bible, we have healing scriptures we've printed off and we'll sit down and read through these healing scriptures. My wife and I kind of, we play ping pong with it. She'll read a verse, I'll pray the verse. Then she'll read a verse, she'll pray the verse if we're doing something or we'll go back and forth. She'll read a verse, 
I'll pray it, then I'll read a verse, she'll pray it. So we go back and forth. We'll spend an hour doing that, praying healing scriptures. And when you're done praying that way, your body feels stronger. There's something different in your household because you've just declared the life, the medicine, the, the, the healing power of God into your household. Now, what if you did that every day while you were fighting something? You would be healthy and strong and victorious. Jesus is anti-sickness. Mm, that kind of flies in the face of a lot of stupid religion. And I can't use the word stupid strong enough. I, I just find it heavily insulting that God is a good father and some people would dare say he'll put sickness on his kids. Well, how do you think DCS will treat you if you put sickness on your kids? If you, um, I don't know, you willfully wanted to discipline your child by giving them chicken you know that had salmonella on it, food poison them. Now mind you, sometimes sickness comes on people as judgment and it's not God putting it on them, it's them walking out of the protection of God and they have to repent to get back into the presence of God to get the sickness off of them. But we have Christians, ministers, denominations that believe God will put sickness on you. Well, we're supposed to do as we see our father do. So if God will put sickness on you, then if you want to discipline your child, you put sickness on them. Just do it. Put cancer on them. Put HIV on them. Put the flu on them. No, even the pagans know that's stupid. Even the pagans cry out to a God they don't believe in when their kids are sick. Uh, one of the most heartbreaking things I ever saw when Justice was born, I was bringing the girls home from the hospital and we were in the parking lot because you passed through the emergency room and I saw, I think it was an Indian man, it was either Indian or Hispanic and I don't mean to be, I'm not trying to be racial, it was just dark outside and I could tell he was ethnic and he was carrying his lifeless daughter in his arms. I think he, I think he was Indian and, and our eyes met because here I've got my two healthy girls and he's got, the daughter was probably seven, eight, nine years old, a big kid, but small enough for him to carry. And, and our eyes met and you could see the look of terror in his eyes. And my heart instantly wanted to go to him to try to, I, I don't know what I could have done. Praying would have not have done it. He needed to get it to that emergency room, but this girl was unresponsive and he's racing in there. It had to have been Indian because uh, I, I judged him to be a Hindu, which made me think about the whole pagan thing. Even pagans want their kids healthy. If he was a Hispanic, I would have judged him to be Catholic or Protestant and Christian of, of faith. But I remember thinking, even this man knows sickness is not right. And he wants to so desperately help his little girl. And I don't know what happened. I pray that our emergency room here was able to, to save the little girl's life or stabilize her or what have you. All right, Jesus is anti-sickness. <laughs> Jesus has always been against sickness and disease. Healing sickness was just as much a part of his earthly ministry as preaching and teaching was. Matthew 4.23, And Jesus went about all of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. I want to read you another verse. This is a famous passage. I don't know why I didn't include it in this lesson, but it's worth looking at. This answers the healing, is healing the will of God question once and for all. Matthew 8 verses 1 through about uh, 3. When Jesus was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, 
there came a leper and worshiped him, saying, Lord, if you want to, you can make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I want to, be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. This leper says, if you want to, you have the power to cleanse me. And Jesus, uh, the other, I think Mark says, had compassion on this man and said, I want to. I want to heal you. Be clean. Jesus was moved with compassion and he cleansed this leper. Leprosy was a sin they believed came upon you because you had sinfulness in your life. But Jesus looked on him and said, I want to. Be clean. And he was cleansed. That's one of the best verses there is in the whole Bible on healing because the question is asked, if you want to, and the Lord said, I want to. That's one of the things we deal with in religious circles. Well, I know the Lord can heal if he wants to. I just ain't sure he wants to. Well, okay, until you're sure he wants to, don't take medicine and don't go to the doctor because you'll be violating the will of God if you're not sure he wants to heal you. If he doesn't want to heal you, what makes you, what makes you think he wants the doctor to heal you? If he doesn't want to heal you, what makes you think he wants the medicine to heal you? Well, because listen to me. This is how it works. Whoever you turn to in time of need is your God. And you'll learn whoever comes through for you is a dependable God. So the ignorance and the danger of believing that God doesn't heal is you will fortify your faith in the natural system of doing things. The ignorance and hypocrisy behind religion is they don't believe God always wants them healed, but they will always go to the doctor. So they are a contradiction and contrary to their own faith. Uh, they say, I don't believe God wants me healed, but I hurt, so I'm going to go to the doctor. God doesn't want me healed, but the doctor does, and he and I are in agreement, and technically we're in agreement against what I believe to be the will of God. The doctor will do his job, I will get healed, and I will be thankful, and that will only reaffirm and re-further establish my faith in medical science and move me a little further away from my God in my heart. Now that's ignorant, and I've got nothing wrong against medical science, but you ought to go to God on your way to the emergency room. Be praying in the spirit. Be praying in English saying, Lord, I thank you for healing me. I rebuke sickness and disease and I thank God for medical science. And we're gonna go accomplish the will of God right now. Me and that doctor are in agreement with God that by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. And whatever's wrong with me, we're gonna get a name on this thing. We're gonna curse it. We're gonna take medicine. I'm gonna pray over the medicine. We're gonna curse it. And I'm gonna be healthy and whole. And I'm gonna take a licking and keep on ticking and serve God. I, I just, I don't get the ignorance and the hypocrisy behind believing God doesn't always want to heal. I, I don't know. I'm without words on that. We're called to do all three today. Preach, teach, and heal. Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Jesus was anointed he even said that in Luke 4, quoting Isaiah 61, Behold, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach glad tidings of good news, to set at liberty those that are bound, the recovering of sight to the blind. Part of what he was anointed to do was not just preach the gospel, but to heal people. And then it goes on to talk in Isaiah 53 about how he bore our sicknesses and took our infirmities, and by his stripes we were healed. Everywhere Jesus went, he healed people. 
Jesus was the walking will of God everywhere he went. And many people came to him for healing. And there's absolutely zero Bible record of him ever saying, wait, 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 wait. Wait, what was your name? Zedidiah. Zedidiah ben Israel. All right, Zedidiah ben Israel. I would lay hands on you, but my father just informed me it's not your lucky day. He does not want you healed today because he's wanting you to learn something there out of the book of Leviticus. And he's going to keep this sickness on you until you go back to the book of Leviticus and learn what he wants you to learn. Now, I know he hasn't told you what he wants you to learn, but he wants you to learn something. Just trust me on that. So you just keep suffering till you learn it. You'll know you've learned it when the sickness goes away. That, that's lunacy. And yet that's commonly held doctrine. I'm just, I'm learning something. What? God's trying to teach me something. What? I tell the story of when I was in college, uh, a good Baptist friend of mine, he had to wear this neck brace. And the reason why was he would live, he was a heavy work uh, bench press guy. So he'd work out, work out, work out, bench press, bench press, bench press. And then as soon as he'd work out, his, his routine was he'd go home and he'd study. He was pre-med. So he'd study and read books for hours on end, but he sat in this horribly old, worn out, sofa. And so as he's sitting like this, hunched over with no posture, and he's reading, his muscles are repairing themselves from the workout, and they're tightening up from the workout, and the muscles through his neck and his back and his shoulders, they are pulling on his spine. And in pulling on his spine, he's getting out of alignment, and now it's causing burning sensations. Nerve, not nerve damage, but pinched nerves, and his hands are going numb. So he went to the chiropractor, went to the orthopedic guy, and so he has to wear this neck brace for a season until his neck recovers and his skeletal system and his muscles go back to normal. And I said, man, that's great. How about I just pray for you, lay hands on you. Let's ask God to heal you. Oh, no, brother. No, I believe the Lord's trying to teach me something. And I said, well, you just told me what, what the problem was. You worked out and had bad posture every three hours after your workout. This is just muscular, man. There's nothing, nothing spiritual to be learned here except that don't bench press and then come home in the horrible posture, posture horrific chair and study pre-med or whatever. That's all there is to learn here. There's nothing else to take away from this. This is simple causality and effect. Just don't do it anymore. No, I believe God wants to teach me something. I said, fine. So a couple weeks, a couple months went by and I was walking across campus. His name was Jeremy. And here comes Jeremy in his neck brace, his big neck donut. You know, he kind of looks like he's been hit from behind and he's got whiplash. And uh, Jeremy says, Chris, I say, hey, man. He said, hey, can you pray for me now? I said, for what? He said, for healing. He said, I think God's done trying to teach me something. And the, the lunacy, he is now determined he's done learning whatever God was trying to teach him. So now he wants prayer. I have good news for you. You don't have to worry to figure out what it is God was trying to teach you by the sickness you're going through. You can just receive healing. The Bible commands us in James chapter 5. If there be any sick among you, let him inquire to see if he's fully learned everything the Lord intended for him to learn through the sickness. It doesn't say that. That's religion. That's demonic doctrine. Is there any sick, let him call for the elders that they may pray for him, laying hands on him, anointing with oil. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick as long as the sick has learned everything they needed to learn. No, it doesn't say that either. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. The Lord shall raise him up. And if he had committed any trespasses, there's that sin variable again, they shall be forgiven. 
I just think it's crazy how much we're willing to believe stupid and make it part of our doctrine. Sickness and disease is bad. It's wrong. There's nothing to be learned from it except that it's bad and it's wrong. And even dogs know sickness and disease is bad and it's wrong. We are to be anti-sickness. I added a bunch of scriptures here just to kind of prove to you Jesus was anti-sickness. There's just a few scriptures there I say sarcastically. There's a lot of verses. Mark 16, 17, and 18. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. They, the sick, they shall recover. This is a sign that follows us. We lay hands on the sick. It's one of our authorizations. We cast out demons. We speak with new tongues. We're authorized to lay hands on the sick. Why would God authorize us to do something if he didn't want it done across the board? He doesn't give any conditions here. Just lay hands on the sick. They'll recover. It's very almost casual. Just lay hands. Just these signs follow you. Just go. They'll follow you. You'll cast out devils. You'll speak with new tongues. Sickness, uh, poison won't hurt you. Lay hands on the sick. They'll recover. It is the perfect will of God for every child of God to be perfectly healthy all the days of their lives. This is divine health. God is a father and God is love. And a loving father desires the absolute best for his children. I guess I should add with the moment or two we have left. So then why am I not always instantly healed? There's a lot of variables on that, a lot of uh, uh, causes. Number one, you got to make sure you're walking in forgiveness and you have nothing against anyone because faith works by love. You cannot be in unforgiveness and God be able to take care of you. Number two, you got to make sure you're taking care of your body yourself. Don't smoke cigarettes and wonder why you can't get healed of COPD. Don't eat pig food and wonder why you can't get over your heart attack or your stroke. Don't be obese and wonder why you can't beat blood pressure or cholesterol issues. These are all pretty simple. Other reasons are maybe you're dealing with a sickness that is a spirit of infirmity and it has been assigned to your family for generations. We don't call this a generational curse. I don't believe in generational curses. That The Bible debunks that in Exodus 20. But what we do believe in is spirits or demons, familiar spirits assigned to families generation after generation after generation. If it's a spirit of infirmity, it'll be a long running sickness you're going to have to battle. Even as a woman in Luke who was bowed over, I think, 18 years and had a spirit of infirmity could no wise lift up her head. Sometimes we're dealing with a demon causing it. Sometimes it's just a symptom of the fallen world. It's a bone that's been broken. It's, it's a, a virus. It's a bacterial infection. These things we beat pretty easily with uh, medicine and prayer and faith. There's a lot more. We don't have time to go into all of it. If you want more information on this, I would encourage you to go to podschool.org and look at our curriculum on divine health, healing, and supernatural provision in, in the arena of health. Amen. I'm out of time. Father, we thank you for this lesson on divine health and healing. I thank you for helping us, confirming to our heart, sickness is bad. Healing is good. And you're a good God. And it is not your will that we suffer under sickness and disease all of our life. I thank you for divine strength. I thank you for quickening our mortal flesh. And as Romans says, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in us, then that spirit shall quicken our mortal bodies. We receive that quickening power in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you all.